The following is a paid program. The views expressed are not necessarily those of the management or ownership of FM 107. WFMP, Coon Rapids, St. Paul, Minneapolis. It's time for Dishing Up Nutrition with licensed nutritionist Darlene Kavist. Each week, Darlene explains the connection between what you eat and how you feel. Stay tuned to hear practical, real-life solutions for healthier living through good nutrition. Dishing Up Nutrition is brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. Slow down, you move too fast. You got to make the morning last. Just kicking down the cobblestones. Looking for fun. Welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition, brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness, a company bringing you life-changing nutrition information. I'm Darlene Kavis, licensed nutritionist, and I am very pleased today to have B. James join us as our co-host. And for all of our longtime listeners, and that's Faye, that's you out there, you're (laughs) listening today, I know you are, and I know you're a fan of B's. So you no doubt remember that B was instrumental in creating our Dishing Up Nutrition uh, five, six years ago, right? I think it was just a theme song that I really, you know, <laughs> Simon and Garfunkel, that's all I can take credit for. <laughs> oh, no. And she was actually co-host for the first six months until kind of her life got in the way and she just had too many responsibilities on her plate. But B is just a wealth of information about food, especially organic foods. Even government regulations about organic foods. In fact, B has been on the USDA National Organic Standards Boards for the past five years. Five years. And you said it was like having another part-time, another yeah, full-time job. It's a lot of work. <laughs> so but the, my official last day is January 18th. So woo! So this board is what? <laughs> it's to guide. It is uh, a government-appointed board of 15 different people with various expertise, everything from people who are farmers and livestock, poultry, um, science, agriculturists, consumers, certifiers, and one retailer. And from all over the United States, From all over the United States, appointed by the Secretary of Agriculture to serve for five years to... Uh, help give guidance for regulations and standards for organic agriculture. And so where were you meeting usually? Washington, D.C. Okay, so trips <laughs> back and forth to D.C. Yes, and I finally can find my way around that crazy downtown D.C. Wow. area. <laughs> oh, amazing. So I know that, um, just so people understand, that you're really, you're a strong voice in protecting our food supply. In fact... You voted no on something, didn't you? I voted no on a lot of things <laughs> when I was on the board. I was known for uh, having a pretty high standard when it came to what type of regulations that were passed and and put into the USDA. So I, I did. I voted no on. Um, I was the only person that voted no on the recent aquaculture uh, standard that was submitted to the USDA. Um, recently. And what does that mean, B? I mean, people don't know what that means, even aquaculture. Well, aquaculture is um, basically, uh, it's a science for making sure that you have set standards that uh, adhere to organic regulations for raising fish for consumption. And there's everything from ocean net pen standards that were developed to farm raise um, standards. And because that particular recommendation that was created by the Livestock Committee of the NOSB, National Organic Standards Board, um, 
that recommendation has been around for a long time, and it was taking a long time for it to be passed into the USDA because the holdup was how are we going to have enough organic fish feed in order to make this work? Because mm-hmm. as we all know, with livestock, your your cattle and chickens, they all have to be fed organic feed. And the recommendation that was put forward uh, does not have 100% organic feed, so I voted no. Okay. All right. That's all. Now I understand. Yep. Okay. But did it pass anyway? Um, it passed into the USDA, and the way it works is that the NOSB creates recommendations to give guidance. Mm-hmm. Um, if everybody on the board, uh, we have discussion in front of a public in Washington, D.C., and people are able to come up and give their public comment on different recommendations that are put forward And based on public comment, as well as the discussion amongst the board, then we take a vote and there has to be a majority of people that vote yes on a recommendation to be put forward to the USDA. And so that aquaculture recommendation did pass Okay, because I was the only one that voted no. (laughs) (laughs) So your your son, Forrest, also joined you on one of these trips, didn't he? Yes, he did. He came to my last meeting, which was uh, last month, and he did a wonderful job of giving public comment. Uh, He's only 16. He's still in high school. And he's always giving me a hard time about having to listen to lobbyists. That's one of the things that we have to do is uh, the board sits um, for three days and listens to public comment and different lobbyists that come up and they, they give their feedback based on the recommendations that are out there. Or sometimes they just talk about things that they want us to pay attention to and recognize. And uh, Forrest knows that in um, uh, crops, there's this contradiction that in crops, um, tetracycline and streptomycin are allowed to be sprayed on apples and pears to prevent fire blight. So now tell, tell people, what, <clears throat> what, what are those things you just they're, said? They're antibiotics. <laughs> and so okay. he, had, he, he had this experience at the farmer's market talking to uh, one of our local farmers who grows apples and doesn't use any harsh chemicals or pesticides or spray uh, antibiotics to prevent fire blight, and but he was not certified organic, that mm-hmm. farmer, and his apples were great. And so then he talked to um, our the produce manager at one of our very knowledgeable natural food stores in the area, which is the Wedge, and um, asked him, well, these organic apples, are they, are they also, can they make the same claims as the sustainably grown ones from my local farmer's market? said, well, yeah, kind of, but there's this thing called the national list, which allows those two things that I just mentioned, antibiotics, to be sprayed on apples. So Forrest went forward and uh, had a great public comment just talking about the contradiction of that and asking the the USDA to pay attention to not having standards that are not consistent across the board. So Forrest has got your passion, hasn't he? Yes, he does. <laughs> so what about your younger son, Harvest? Harvest? He's got the name. I know. Can you tell? <laughs> I'm, I'm really a hippie at heart. I've got two kids, Forrest and Harvest. Um, Harvest is, uh, he is my fruit and vegetable connoisseur. He he basically, he doesn't like to eat any processed food at all. He's all oh, about the fruits and vegetables. Yeah, well, Forrest is a different one. I mean, it's a po- it's all about popcorn for him. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, but two great kids that are also very interested in, in what I care about, which is organic agriculture. So now, B, I know you have another full-time job working daily, mm-hmm. and probably more than daily. <laughs> <laughs> You're the Senior Manager of Organic and Natural Foods at Lunds and Byerly's. That's right. And 
you know, I think people don't really understand what is the difference between organic and natural. Yeah, that's a, it's a tough um, thing to really describe because I can tell you in a nutshell to make it simple what organic means. Organic means that a third party uh, has certified, a third party certifier that has been accredited by the USDA comes in and they inspect organic products uh, for regulatory compliance. Okay. So um, all organic products that are labeled organic with the USDA seal have gone through that process. And so they're like a food inspector. Yeah, and it, they're very strict regulations. Um, organic livestock, uh, which includes poultry, chicken, and turkeys, there are raised uh, certified on certified organic land. So the land has to be certified, no pesticides um, applied at all. Uh, as well as the feed for the livestock has to be 100% organic. And so these facilities are inspected annually, and uh, most farms encourage outdoor access as well. Antibiotics are prohibited. There's no um, uh, growth hormones that are allowed. There's a big, long uh, 300-page document if people want to read it. They can go to uh, usda.gov and type in National Organic Standards, and they'll get a lot of information there. But So organic is regulated. It's very Regulated, okay. And not everything is per- perfect mm-hmm. in those regulations, but it does really give you the guarantee when you buy organic products that they have been checked. Okay. Whereas natural, there is no government regulation on a definition of natural. However... At uh, Lens and Byerly's, I created a definition and a guide to natural standards. So we have very strict criteria, and anything that goes into our organic and natural sets has, has to meet that criteria. So things like uh, no food coloring, no preservatives, no artificial flavors, no artificial anything, no high fructose corn syrup, no hydrogenated oils. And all of our buyers um, have to know how to read those labels to make sure that they fit our standards. But that isn't true in every place. No. That- Okay, no. and I, I shouldn't say. I, I mean, obviously, we know that our natural food co-ops do a great job of uh, of looking at that kind of th- stuff. I mean, they're the experts at label reading, and most of the products they put on their shelf fit a natural food standard that's very similar to what I just okay. described. Okay, very good. So you know, with the holidays, you know, they're coming up soon, and we wanted to um, get some ideas with because you are great in this area. And, you know, we've seen turkeys out there. I don't know if you noticed this, B, but I saw them before the Thanksgiving. They were being advertised for 37 cents a pound. Yeah, and that's just, I, I don't get it. <laughs> I, you get what you pay for. That's all, all I can right. tell you. <laughs> so we've invited a guest, haven't we? Yes, one of my favorite local farmers in the area, Larry Schultz. And I think, uh, I think Larry's on the line. Hi, Larry. Welcome Hi. to the show. Well, thank you for having me. So what we're we're going to just talk turkey with you here a, a bit, and I think if if listeners have questions about how how turkeys are raised or how you raise your chickens or you know what what it means to really to get eggs from your farm, um, our number here is six five one six four one one zero seven one, and I'm sure Larry, you'd be happy to answer any question. I bet I know you are. <laughs> yeah, that'd be fine. <laughs> I just I have to say one little uh, thing about. Larry. Larry um, has been in the Twin Cities area as a local um, uh, provider for organic eggs, organic um, and organic poultry products. And uh, about nine years ago when I was working at Lens and Byerly's, I I brought him in and I said, we got to get your eggs in our store because they're the best eggs in town. 
And uh, do you remember that, Larry? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so we've worked, you know, Lens and Pyrelees, we've worked together with Larry, and he has increased his hen count and his his turkey count to be able to provide us with the best local organic eggs and turkey turkey that you can find in the Twin Cities. So, you know, one of the things, Larry, is that um, one of the questions that we're going to put out to you here is I want you to kind of compare what it what it is to have an organic turkey versus the thirty seven cent a pound turkey, and you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna let you think on this because we're gonna take a quick break and then when we come back you'll have your answers all ready for us right? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Larry's okay. Larry's gonna have to call somebody else to ask him what a thirty seven cent a pound turkey tastes like because he's probably never. <laughs> no, it's not not in my realm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So uh, you're listening to Dishing Up Nutrition, a company bringing you life-changing nutrition information. If you're looking to rev up your metabolism or discover the food-mood connection, we have just the class series you're looking for. And it'll be starting the second week in January. Our weight and wellness series starts the week of January 12th in these locations, Anoka, Burnsville, Edina, Minneapolis, St. Paul, White Bear Lake, Andover, Shanhassen, Maple Grove, Stillwater, Wyzetta, and Woodbury. You know, a comment we frequently hear about the Weight and Wellness Series, such uh, eye-opening net material taught in such a friendly, a user-friendly uh, user way. You know, and they always say, the teacher was great. They answered all my questions, and guess what? I lost some pounds while I was in that class. So check our website for location and time convenient for you. It's weightandwellness.com. So if you have questions for our farmer, Larry Schultz, about how food is raised, our number here is 651-641-1071, and we'll be back in a minute. FM 107.1. Laugh along. Welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. Um, this is B. James speaking uh, for on organic and natural foods, and I'm here with Darlene Kavis, nutritionist with Nutritional Weight and Wellness. And we have Larry Schultz, an organic uh, farmer who raises eggs, hens, and turkeys on the line with us here to talk to us about uh, the benefits of organic poultry. And um, Larry, welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. Thank you for having me. Um, you know, Larry, we would love to have you talk a little bit about your farm. Where exactly are you located, and how much acre, how many acres do you have, and what generation are you for organic farming? Um, well, okay, uh, I'm actually southwest of Owatonna, Minnesota, and uh, so that's about uh, about 60 miles south of the cities on I-35. Um, we uh, have been farming organically all my life. Um, uh, as far as generation, boy, I don't, I don't even know because we've never switched to be conventional. So um, my folks Perfect. <laughs> back in the 40s and 50s when herbicides first started becoming more and more popular, um, they never switched. Um, a, a little story on how that happened um, is my folks were going to try and spray some thistle patches 
and my mom ended up getting cold sores when she handled the, the herbicide. So she said there was no way she was going to handle this stuff if she was going to end up with cold sores. Mm-hmm. And that kind of convinced my dad there was no way he was going to handle any of that either. And um, as they thought about it, it's like, well, you're putting it on all the plants, and all the plants are absorbing the herbicide, even the ones that are your food source, your crop. It's just that it doesn't kill them, but they still absorb the herbicide. Mm-hmm. So from that point on, they just decided that that was not something that they really needed to work with. They had gotten along all the years before that without it, so they kind of just stayed with it. So, Larry, you had a dad that was really an independent thinker, wasn't he? Yeah, we we, we don't don't worry. We took our lumps from those independent <laughs> thinkings, uh, the mocking on the bus about uh, the weed farmers. <laughs> you know, so. Yep, <laughs> Larry, you raise um, uh, hens for egg production as well as turkeys, correct? Correct. And yes. um, you have those right there on your land with your family. Yep. And tell tell us a little bit about the feed that you give your turkeys, and and really what what it, how are they raised differently than a conventional turkey? Well, uh, the, the organic turkeys, first of all, they're getting all organic grains in their feed. Um, that they're, they're that means everything has been, as you mentioned before, raised without herbicides, insecticides, pesticides on the crop itself, like the corn, the roasted soybeans, the the small grains such as rye, oats, wheat, uh, sometimes peas. Um, so all those things that go into the feed have not had any herbicides, which that in itself will cause the, the feed price to probably four times what it would be conventionally just because of the, the extra labor involved to produce the crop. Okay. Um, so that's that's one reason you're going to see a higher price for organic just to start with is the feed cost itself. Um, the other thing is you have more more management into the the turkeys themselves because if we get something that gets a bug that they get sick, we don't have um, the antibiotics or the you know anything to give them to treat that and still have them considered organic. So they're removed from the flock. Well, yeah, they would be removed from the flock, but your best thing is prevention. Mm-hmm. So you do a lot of more maintenance to prevent um, situations that would come up. So, Larry, what does that really mean when you say that as far as maintenance does? Because we've all, well, a lot of us have seen movies of, uh, you know, these turkey farms where there's thousands of chickens or, or turkeys in these little mm-hmm. areas, these little barns. Overcrowding. Overcrowding. They're walking on each other. Um, I would have to assume that that is not the way you raise your turkeys. Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just to kind of give you an idea, um, it, well, first of all, that's, that's part of the, the prevention. One is when you overcrowd the animals, you have more of a... Um, it's more susceptible to actually get a disease or sickness just because they're so congested. Not mm-hmm. only that, they sometimes will pick on themselves more um, because of the close proximity of each other. They can't get away from each other. So, Larry, I would have to assume that your your turkeys are usually in a barn of some type? or Well, we start them all in the barn, obviously, just because you need to have the heat to, to nurture the, the babies baby mm-hmm. poults to, to get them to a certain age. And when they're full feathered and they're producing their own eat, heat and and um, don't need the heaters anymore, the brooders, 
then they have the ability they can go outside. Okay. Um, some of them actually go out kind of on range where you have shelters for them outside, um, and some have actually where they we use the barn as their shelter. So they can go out during the day into the pasture, and then they can go back in the barn for the evening. Okay. Dar, I've been on uh, Larry's farm, and one of the big differences, I think, with what Larry is doing in his fa- on his family farm, when, the, when organic regulations are in place, they need to have outdoor access at all times. Mm-hmm. So what a lot of people do is they have an enclosed space for their chickens or or the turkeys with a small opening. And we all know that that chickens are creatures of habit. And if they're not trained to go outside, they really won't go outside. When I visited Larry's farm, it was the big, huge barn <laughs> door is just wide open. And, and these chickens are walking around in a, like packs singing the whole time. They walk in these large groups and they just and they're happy and they're, they're out pecking and they're getting sunlight and fresh air. And that is one of the reasons why um, his turkeys taste so good and their nutritional value is so much higher is because they do have outdoor access and a lot less stress in their life. So, you know, when the turkeys are outside, they're getting a couple of interesting things. They're getting vitamin D because you get vitamin D from the sun, and so the vitamin D has to be in part of their meat and in their fat than, that we would eat. So, you know, you're naturally, you're getting vitamin D from that. And also, of course, if they're eating grass, they're going to be getting some omega-3s, which is kind of shocking to most people, because most people think that you only get omega-3s from salmon. But if you're eating grass-fed meat, you're getting right. omega-3s. And studies have shown that meat from animals raised in feedlots and not on grass contain more fat, less vitamin E, less beta-carotene, less vitamin C, and much less omega-3 fatty acids. So, I mean, I highly recommend if you're going to choose an organic product, make sure that your organic meat and dairy products are organic. So, Larry, hold on to the line because we've got to take another quick break, but we want to continue our conversation. You're listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. You know, if you're struggling now, we're going to talk about dandruff because we got to talk about some health things. (laughs) Here's some possible solutions if you have dandruff. You know, add some essential fatty acids, both omega-3s and omega-6 to your diet. Omega-6 GLA is the first deficiency that comes to mind when I see a problem with dandruff. If you're deficient in zinc, magnesium, B vitamins, vitamin C, the fats, they don't get to, they are not working as well, especially these essential fatty acids. So dandruff is a nutrition problem, not a cleanliness problem. So questions for our farmer today, Larry Schultz. It's 651-641-1071. Living Life Out Loud on FM 107.1. Laugh along. Why hit the snooze when you can laugh along? Ian and Marjorie. Stephanie Hansen's in for Marjorie as a stunt wife this morning. If you've missed all of the drama in our house, uh, I've got two down. I've got my dog down and I've got my wife down. If you missed the story, my wife ate an entire chicken carcass. And, <laughs> and it's really hard on the bones, so I'm going through her system. But I'm staying with her. Ian and Marjorie. Weekday mornings from 6 to 10 on FM 107.1. Laugh along. FM 107.1. Laugh along.
Welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. My name is B. James, and I am an organic food specialist, and I'm here with Darlene Kavis, licensed nutritionist, and Larry Schultz, uh, organic farmer and producer of organic chickens, turkeys, and eggs. Um, nice transitional song there, a song all about food, because that's what we want to talk about. And um, I wanted to, to make sure that we got an opportunity to ask Larry um, I'm sure, Larry, you've had uh, plenty of your turkeys to talk about. What makes them so juicy, tender, and flavorful? Well, the, you're going to get more flavor just by the last things we were talking about. They're going to have more exercise. They're going to walk around more, so more movement. Um, you get better muscle tone that way. Um, you know, some some turkeys actually, when they go in, the commercial turkeys, when they're processed, are in, are actually injected while they're processed, so they add water to them. Mm-hmm. So you're, that's why you'll have a lot of juice that comes out of your turkey. And doesn't uh, that uh, solution that they inject the turkeys with also oftentimes contains a lot of sodium and preservatives? Correct. That way it'll last longer in a fresh state as well. Um, but, and that's something that we just don't do, um, and it's 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 something that when we try to produce, like even the eggs and the chicken and the turkey, everything we do, we're trying to getting back to real food. We're not we're looking to you know add a bunch of things to help it have a long shelf life, because if you need a longer shelf life, we just freeze it because right. it'll give you a longer mm-hmm. shelf life, and you don't have to have all those preservatives. Right, absolutely, and. I've cooked your turkeys both ways. I've I've cooked it just, you know, right in the oven without brining it, just a little bit of seasoning, and it's come out juicy and flavorful. And this year I actually brined um, one of my Larry Schultz organic turkeys. And, <laughs> and what brining does is it, it firms the meat and adds flavor to it internally um, to produce a lot more tender and juicy turkey. Traditionally, a lot of brining recipes will have a really high amount of salt and sugar. And we actually have, um, we have like a, an assortment of recipes here that um, we're going to try to get to today. Uh, but if we don't get to all of them in description, you can find them at Nutritional Weight and Wellness on their website. Uh, the first one is uh, brined and roasted turkey. And what I've done different is um, I don't use table salt and I don't use table sugar. Uh, I use um, coarse sea salt as well as organic sugar, and I, I probably have half the amount in the brining fluid. So what you do is you just take three-fourths a cup of coarse sea salt, three-fourths a cup of organic sugar, one-and-a-half gallons of water, and you get yourself a 7- to 10-pound Larry Schultz organic turkey. And um, you, you just mix that liquid mixture together, and then you put your turkey in there, and you cover it, and you want to make sure that it's it's completely covered, and you can um, put it in your refrigerator then for 12 to 24 hours. And what happens is the turkey absorbs all of those flavors as well as the juice. And uh, you take it out, you rinse it off, and um, I have in this recipe uh, an herb mixture. And you rub down your turkey with some olive oil and um, put the herb mixture on top of it. And there's all the instructions that you need for making sure that you have the appropriate appropriate cooking time. A rule of thumb is 20 minutes per pound on your turkey. <clears throat> and you want to make sure that the internal temperature is at 165. So um, that's another way to take a Larry Schultz turkey and make it even even more flavorful, even though you don't need to do that. But I think your um, turkey, you'll be very happy with the leftovers, too, because the lunch meat is very succulent and great on sandwiches. 
So that's that sounds like a great recipe, easy to do, really easy to do. Mm-hmm. You know, and I've often wondered, how do you really brine a turkey? But now I know. Now you know, and okay. it's easy. Okay, good. <laughs> that sounds great. You know, I think that, uh, I, you know, I still don't, I believe that a lot of people just, they don't realize the real difference in a real turkey that's real. Like, I mean, we believe Like Larry's this, turkeys. Like Larry's turkeys. <laughs> The same thing that we believe in is real food all the time. Mm-hmm. And these farm factory, which is about 90% of the turkeys that mm-hmm. are out there, well, are sold out there. And because they're raised in just these inhumane conditions um, and not fed the optimal feed and not given access to the outdoors and are treated, um, you know, with antibiotics if if they get sick, that you're you're not getting the full... Uh, experience of, a, of eating a healthy bird um, for your holiday. And that's one of the things that I think is um, so important that if you're paying 37 cents a pound for a turkey that has been injected with a high amount of sodium and preservatives and raised in conditions that you know aren't going to add a lot of nutritional value as well as flavor, you get what you pay for. And um, I challenge anybody to, to to try a Larry Schultz turkey. And if you don't think it's better, then um, I'll, I'll, I'll or, eat my shoe. <laughs> or, or another, you know, locally raised organic turkey. I mm-hmm. mean, I think the, most of the farmers around this area probably have the same type of practices as Larry. Mm-hmm. And they're going to have them out on grass and, um, and, and feeding them organic foods. And because... They're regulated, and they need to be, and that's great. Right. So, right. so you know, B, I think as long as, let's do this. Let's, uh, you have another recipe to share, because we've got to complete this meal, this holiday meal. Mm-hmm. We've got the turkey. What other recipe should we do now? Um, we also have today a recipe called millet mashed potatoes. So, Dar, do you like to peel three pounds of potatoes before your guests come over? Well, I have to tell you, <laughs> I have to tell you a little story. You know, I have these two grandchildren. Oh, okay. And, <laughs> you and, cheat. <laughs> and every ever since they've been about two, we have these little stools, and they will come cook with Grandma. Okay. And so the five-year-old Cedar, you know, one day I was cooking with her, and I was going to peel the potato and potatoes, and she said, "Oh, Grandma, I can do that." Now she is five years old. And she peeled the potatoes perfectly, and with her little apron on, you know. Okay. And she's going to be a chef. Well, you, you're going to have to work on forest and harvest then with me because I can't get them to peel all my potatoes for <laughs> me. But most people don't want to have to sit there and peel three pounds of potatoes to make mashed potatoes, and they 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 are concerned about mashed potatoes being lumpy or like glue, and. You know, uh, potatoes contain a high amount of starch and perhaps prevent you from being regular. But we have a great recipe called millet mashed potatoes. And it's kind of a, it's um, it's a knockoff of mashed potatoes without any potatoes. And it's, oh, B, can you hold that for just, a, we, sure. we've got to take a quick break. So, but hold that recipe so we'll do it when we come back. So you're listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. You know, next Tuesday, December 15th at 6 p.m., if you want to learn more how to support your immune function, tune in to Knowledge for Wellness. It's a cable channel, and it's channel 15. And Cassie Weenus, our registered dietitian, she'll share her knowledge about how to support your immune system. And, you know, nutrition is really the key to a good immune function. And we were talking about uh, dandruff at one time in this whole show. So, you know, you may find that If you have a problem with dandruff, you might have more problems during the holiday season 
because if you're eating more sugar mm-hmm. and more alcohol, you're going to probably have more problems with dandruff. So we'll be back in a minute. Living Life Out Loud on FM 107.1. Laugh along. Welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. We are boogieing down to some great transitional music. I love that song. You should have seen Dar over there dancing. <laughs> <laughs> My name is B. James, and before our break, we were talking about holiday recipes, including a fantastic potatoless mash called Millet Mashed Potatoes. Um, all the recipes we're talking about today can be found on the Nutritional Weight and Wellness website. Uh, so if you want further directions, just... Just go there, and you can find all your recipes and print them out. Um, so millet mashed potatoes, is it's a delicious alternative to traditional mashed potatoes. There's less starch and more fiber. Mm-hmm. Um, millet is gluten-free. It is. And um, it's also alkaline, mm-hmm. which I don't know if your listeners know what that means, but instead of having a high acid food, you're having an alkaline food, which is good for the pH. Um, so So like, like sugar would be a high acid food. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, um, and all of the recipes that we're talking about today are gluten-free. Yes. And that great. And, and it's not like we need to even tell any of our guests that they're gluten-free because they're so delicious that it's not like it's a special diet recipe. It's just great recipes and they don't contain any gluten. Oh, B, what else do you put in that uh, mash? Well, it's two cups of millet and uh, one cauliflower, so approximately two to three cups of the cauliflower florets, half a or fourth a teaspoon of sea salt, and six cups of water. And how easy is this? You just put it all together and let it cook until it's tender, and then you're going to puree it in a food meal or a processor, adding a little bit of extra water, or sometimes you can use milk if... That's um, if you want it a little bit more creamy to create a consistency that is surprisingly just like mashed potatoes. And I actually also have a serving suggestion with that. Um, There is a gluten-free bra, um, a gravy uh, made by Imagine Foods and it's organic. Um, There's, it comes in savory beef or roasted turkey flavor. And you can get those if you don't want to make your own gravy, Mm -hmm. you can get those at any natural food store or Lunds and Byerly's. And uh, the cost for that is um, you get 16 ounces, and it's usually only around 2 $3. And is that gluten-free? Gluten-free. Oh, that's great. Okay, I didn't know about that bee. Yes. Oh. And <laughs> I have one more recipe. I don't know if we have time for it. Um, uh, but this is green beans and creamy garlic, because I know how much you like cream dar. <laughs> <laughs> and I brought, I brought uh, we have one more recipe. It's called cranberry maple pear pie. We won't have time to talk about that, but I did... I brought Dar a piece of that this morning, and I said, I'm just so sorry it doesn't have whipped cream on it, but she ate it anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The green bean recipe, it's similar to green bean, uh, like a green bean casserole, but I'm somebody who wants fresh green beans. I don't want anything out of a can. I don't want my onions that have hydrogenated oils and and are coated coming out of a can. Traditional green bean casserole has a lot of that, as well as uh, uh, concentrated a cream of mushroom soup that usually includes MSG. So we're getting rid of all of that. And um, you just take two pounds of fresh green beans, and you're going to parboil those. And then you have a combination of butter, garlic, 
chopped green onions, a little salt and pepper, and cream. You reduce that, and uh, you pour that and toss that in with your green beans, and then sprinkle half a cup of sliced toasted almonds on top. It's delicious. And and there's and there you no. have no cream of mushroom soup or any of that icky old stuff. No, no, and and it's it no, is. No, this sounds like a great recipe. It it is very good, and and yeah, I do my best to try to to keep um, as many vegetables in front of my kids that are fresh and coming from soil and not a can. So, B, let's just talk just a minute because you you need to talk about this cranberry maple pear pie. Mm-hmm. Just kind of run through it, just. So that people realize that it is gluten-free mm-hmm. and how simple it is to put together. It's very simple. And then we'll take a quick break after that and then come back and finish up talking with Larry. Sounds great. Um, cranberry maple pear pie. And what I love about this pie is that the fruit does all of the work and, and gives all the glory and the flavor because you really don't need a lot of sweetener. I've added just a little bit of maple syrup to kind of bring out the flavors in the cranberries as well as the pears. Uh, the crust is a combination of Bob's Red Mill all-purpose gluten-free baking mix, and that is a wonderful substitute to be used for anything that calls for wheat flour. You can just substitute this gluten-free mix. Corn flour, uh, ground pecans, salt, um, butter, you make it just like a regular pie crust. And then the filling is um, cranberries, maple syrup, and Bartlett pears. The one thing I would say that makes this recipe uh, makes or break it is making sure that the pears are at the ripe, uh, at the right ripeness. So they want to be slightly underripe. You don't want them um, uh, too soft and mushy. Otherwise, you end up with uh, pears that just kind of disintegrate in the pie. So, um, uh, and then it has a little bit of cornstarch combined with water f- as the thickener. And you make it just like a regular pie, and it's delicious and gluten free, low in sugar. Yep, and it sounds great. And it, and people need treats during the holiday. Holiday season, and so this is a great treat. I know I and need then treats. You don't, <laughs> then you tend not to overeat it either. You just have a serving of it, and you're satisfied. Right, and and especially with a little bit of whipped cream because you get those good fats with it as well. So, you know, I want to thank everyone be- so we don't run out of time. I want to thank B for being here today on the show, and I want to thank the listeners for listening, and I want to thank Larry Schultz for being on the show. And if you want to subscribe to our show through iTunes, you can go to our website, weightandwellness.com, and click on the radio tab, and you can see a link to subscri- subscribe to iTunes, and then you can always have it right there for you to listen to at any time. And people from all over the United States are now doing that. Wow, Dar. Next thing you know, you're going to be on Twitter oh, and Facebook gosh, and all those things. <laughs> so we'll be back in a minute. The proceeding was a paid program. The views expressed are not necessarily those of the management or ownership of FM 107. Welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. You know, I'm really pleased to let people know that our weight and wellness class in Edina is at the lunch store on 50th and France. Bravo. And you didn't even know that, did you? I know, and I'm glad to see that you're over there. That's great. (laughs) So that's going to start on uh, the week of January 12th. Easy location. They can grab their food. They've got great organic food there at Lund's, and they can grab their food and uh, make it all in one trip. 
So let's right. finish up with Larry here. You know, we can't like let Larry off the hook without talking about his eggs because I know how much you talk about eggs on your show. We certainly and, do. <laughs> and the nutritional value. And and that's the only eggs we'll buy. Um, I love your eggs, Larry. And can you describe for our listeners um, what the egg yolk from a grass-fed chicken looks like? Oh, they get more of a nice golden yellow color, um, you know, because it's because of the the uh, the greens that they eat um, so they t- to me it's a lot of times it's they, they will they, they actually have the opportunity sometimes to get into other vegetation that will um, take some of that color out but you'll still always have that that deep flavor of an egg so it's, that's fantastic and I I can attest that they are extremely flavorful and delicious and dar you know maybe you could tell our listeners, a little bit about um, the nutritional difference between an egg yolk that is a pale yellow and one that is a bright orange like Larry's. Well, I think the main difference is it has that omega-3, and it's called DHA. It's a special kind of omega-3, and it's the omega-3 that we have in our brain. And so I always eat a couple of organic eggs in the morning. I often eat Larry Schultz eggs. And um, I think, okay, I'm helping my brain. I'm making my thinking better. <laughs> You know, I want to keep this going as long as I can, and so I just do it for memory. I and but I like the taste too. Now, do you still have those recipes that I did for you a while ago? One was the egg McForest yes. that my son Forrest makes every morning, and I did another one for you, um, Dar's Nutty Eggs. <laughs> we, um, yes, it's with the spinach and it's got the walnuts on the outside mm-hmm. of the fried Certainly. egg. Excellent. Yes. Yeah. So there's also recipes, not only the holiday recipes. We talked about today on the Nutritional Weight and Wellness website, but um, you can look for some scrumptious egg recipes as well. Um, I, Larry, um, the last question that I had for you is, can people get uh, your turkeys fresh um, before the next holiday coming up, Christmas? Oh, yeah. The, the Lunds and Byerly stores are going to have uh, fresh turkeys, um, I think, actually coming in this week. Excellent. And those are not going to be frozen, right? They're fresh, nope, right off the farm. They're good to go. Just pop in your oven, and you don't have any of the thaw time. So Great. Well, Larry, I can't thank you enough for um, coming and talking to us today. Uh, you're a, a wonderful asset to the Twin Cities, bringing in all of your organic products, and I've known you for almost 10 years, and it's been a pleasure. And, Dar, thank you also for having me on the show today. And, B, thank you. Have a great day. Have a healthy day, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.